He who saves one life saves the world entire. And the most important life to save is your own. After all, it's the place where you have the most power. So join shadow worker and trauma therapist Laura Giles each week on It's Not You, It's Me. We'll uncover what's in shadow and learn the things you need so you can heal yourself, grow yourself, know yourself, love yourself, be yourself, and share yourself. If you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, it's time to drop the self-sabotage and limiting beliefs. A healthy, abundant, connected life is an option. Choose it. Subscribe. And let's start manifesting it. I just got back from a trip to the Midwest, and it always makes my heart happy to be in that energy. It's slow and friendly and down to earth. It's humbling and reminds me of where I came from. People are really connected and know what's important. There's no competition or pretension, and that makes things so enjoyable and relaxed. My big takeaway from that experience is that loneliness is a choice. It's something that we do to ourselves by othering and playing status games. Hi, I'm Laura Giles, host of Let It Go Now podcast, and each week we talk about what and how to let go of things that stand in the way of your happiness, success, and being your authentic, wild self. And today I'm talking about status or seeing yourself as separate, because I think that this is a huge way that we create separation and misery for ourselves. Loneliness is rampant, and it's all in the mind, and maybe it's time for some of us to let that go. For example, my siblings and I stopped in this gay bar for karaoke night, and when I told one of my friends about it, he was like, why are you in a gay bar? So let me tell you what it was like. It was a blast. (laughs) Yeah. This was a neighborhood bar with a lot of regulars who came out for karaoke, and you can tell by the way that they interacted with each other. Everybody knew everybody's name. It was really friendly and supportive. It was a very mixed crowd, mixed being age, skin tone, and cultures, but you could tell by the gigantic variety in the songs that people chose. And yet, we all clapped for each other, acknowledged a great performance, and enjoyed whoever was on stage. It was a place where everyone felt free to be themselves and everyone still belonged. For me, when someone sings, it's like they open up their heart to you and let you into their feelings and into their life for a moment. You feel what they've lived. It's such a vulnerable and connecting place to be. I had this experience at another karaoke event on the East Coast in a sleepy little town in a neighborhood bar again. And this wasn't a gay bar this time, but it was a really different culture with a bunch of people who seemed to all know each other. And at the end of the night, through the magic of music, There were no strangers. It's like we all felt the song that goes, strumming my pain with his fingers, singing my life with his words. Everyone sang everyone else's life, and we all understood what it was like to be human. That's why I love singing. You know, this is the world I live in most of the time. I like real people in the real world, and I don't care about what you're driving what degree you have, or what kind of work you do, this doesn't tell me a whole lot about your heart. When we create all these supposed to's and barriers to belonging, we get othering and loneliness. And where I'm from, you don't have to worry about being judged. It's not a put on, 
it's not a fake thing that some people do to get compliments or attention. I really think that it's just the way that we're taught to be from the time we're small. I'm not really aware that it's not that way for everyone until I get into a situation where it feels different. And that happened recently. I was listening to a woman on a video speak about spirituality, and I found myself recoiling. I was paying attention to what I'm doing so that I live consciously. So I paused and asked myself, you know, hey, what's going on? I wasn't taken aback because of what she was saying, because most of what she was saying I agree with. I don't agree with everything, but who does? But that definitely wasn't the problem. So I asked myself if my reaction was because she's a woman. I didn't think so, but I thought I'd check it out because we need to check our own biases. And it wasn't that either. I'm narrowing things down. So next, I asked myself if it was because she's a pale person. I knew that wasn't it either, but something told me that I was getting closer because that wasn't making me feel real good. But it is what it is, right? And if you don't check yourself, someone else eventually will, or they won't, and you'll either be blind to your own stuff and remain in your ignorance, or you'll get it back one way or another. So I leaned into it, and I realized that it wasn't because she's pale, but because she was doing something that pale people do more often than darker-skinned people. She was talking down to me. And you might say, how do you know when she wasn't even in front of me? <laughs> it was a video. So she really wasn't speaking to anyone in particular. But you can hear it in the way people talk and the words that they use as well as how people use their bodies. And she was talking like she was the authority, the expert, and whoever is listening needs to do what she says and agree. Now, I'm not pointing fingers at her. I'm just using this story to point out some cultural differences. In the West, we have hierarchy based upon a lot of things, like last name in some areas, money, skin color, degrees, letters after your name, titles, the labels on the clothes you wear, the car that you drive, the type of job you do, and things like that. It comes from the days of kings and aristocracy where everyone followed the pecking order. You knew your place and didn't leave it. They even entered into a room based upon the order of importance. That's crazy, right? We've never had a monarchy here in the USA, but the remnants of the patriarchal hierarchical system are still very much practiced. You see it in the Judeo-Christian church, the military, the judicial system, and lots of corporate cultures. You don't question the guy ahead of you. You don't skip over him and go to someone senior. You must respect that person, whether they are respectful or competent. You don't get to ask questions because they are the authority. Some Eastern spiritual practices and martial arts are like this too. The guru or master is to be obeyed, period. Mr. Miyagi said, wax on, wax off, and that's what Karate Kid had to do. He couldn't ask why. So this is embedded in a lot of different cultures. But honestly, despite being brown-skinned, being talked down to is not something that happens to me a lot. I absolutely believe that it's a lot of dark-skinned people's reality, but I also know that it's not everybody's, and I just figured out why. It's more than just skin color. It's status and humility. And I don't know how to talk about one without talking about the other. So we all come into this world as equals. We're one. How could it be otherwise? Then we learn status from society. Everyone experiences some sort of pressure to conform, solve problems, or avoid pain. And how we do that manifests through status. Let's look at the case of the bully. He's probably beaten up or humiliated at home. He learns that to have power, you have to take it and hurt people. 
he compensates for his low status by lowering someone else's status through terror or brutality to raise his own, right? It's not all pathological, though. If I'm the high-status person in a relationship, probably the best partner for me to have is someone who is willing to accept the lower-status position because that will create the most harmony or balance, right? That just makes sense. It doesn't work so well when the employee tries to tell the boss what to do unless the boss is incompetent and hasn't really earned his place there. Like what often happens in hiring situations in businesses and families where there's a favorite or the military or other government institutions. But the whole thing falls apart when there isn't competent leadership. But you have this mandatory hierarchy where you're not allowed to complain. That's where most of us live most of the time. We don't live as equals. We live in a world of artificial status. If you look at how nature does it, There is a hierarchy, but it's a natural hierarchy based upon personality and ability. When a wolf, goat, or dog challenges another one for dominance, it's to ensure that the pack has competent and strong leadership. You don't get to be the alpha because your mom or dad was one. You have to earn it. When you can no longer do it, you're replaced. When one creature shifts, everything else does too. So bring a new chicken into the flock and you see what I mean. They'll peck at each other to let the other ones below know not to mess with them. Once it's established, they all settle down and have a calm, stable community. Everybody knows where they stand. If you look at people, we do this too. When you go into a classroom that's out of control, you know that that teacher isn't the alpha despite having the title and responsibility for the job. There are probably kids in the class who are parentified children who learn that they have to control things to feel safe. They dominate the teacher and the rest of the students. And if the teacher can't assert control, that's how the whole year is going to be. When there's a child who's out of control, you can bet that it's because the parents aren't exercising healthy authority. No doesn't mean no. So the child tests the boundaries because they're looking for security. They'll assume control so they don't feel out of control. But they don't really know how to do that. So it's a lose-lose situation for them and the parent. When I worked in a prison, the same thing happened there. You knew which officers were pushovers and which ones were hard. You knew which inmates were in charge, too. And yet nobody ever messed with me. Why? It's because what you see is what you get with me. I was firm, fair, and consistent. I saw the inmates for who they really are, not for their charge. I saw and delighted in the light inside of them. But I neither held them on a pedestal or acted like I was afraid of them. And I also didn't put them down. So people who are looked down on all the time feel relief when they don't have to intimidate other people to leave them alone or let them have some peace. It just makes things more enjoyable for everyone. Try it. If you have two people walking towards each other on the crowded sidewalk where one has to move for the other, we usually work it out without having to have a conversation, right? We size each other up and the lower status one moves. That's usually the woman or the darker skinned person, but not always. If one of these people is a little old lady or a child, the other person will usually move out of the way if they were reared with the idea of noblesse oblige. This means that with rank and status, you give way to those who are lower, less fortunate, or weaker. It's a basis of chivalry, I think. This is why men hold doors open for women. It's why we look out for the elderly, sick, and children. Some cultures do it just because it's the right use of power. It's not that we're bigger, higher, more important, or stronger than you. It's because of humility. We're not higher than you. 
Everybody has a seat at the table. We're equal to you. But the differences in position come from ability or wisdom, not color, gender, or age. So humility is an equalizer. It allows people to occupy different positions without feeling humiliated, inferior, superior, or left out. Let's think about this. Close your eyes and picture someone above you. They're looking down on you, right? Maybe they're taller than you or on a pedestal. I don't know how they get up, but they're up. They're on top. And this is the only acceptable place to be or to appear to be in our society. We're always striving to be at the top of the class, at the head of the pack, at the top of your game. This competition is instilled in us at the very latest when we start school. And that's stressful to be comparing because if I'm on top, that means you're on the bottom. I have to look down on you. I might feel low or low down down there. There could be so much above me. Men or women might be out of my league. So we have lots of idioms to describe status. There isn't a good or bad status. There's pros and cons to any status. Imagine me on a pedestal. If I'm up here, how am I gonna connect to my people? I can't, right? I'm too far above them. That's why we say it's lonely at the top. There's only room for one up here. But if I'm up here, then I have the support of everyone beneath me. At the same time, there's nowhere to go but down. Since I don't want to go down, I either have to continue ascending and getting further and further away from people and getting my head further and further in the clouds. That's why we call stars stars. They're so far above us that we can't touch them. In mainstream culture, this is where a lot of us want to be. But think about what fame gets you. It gets you loneliness and separation if you believe your own hype. The best place for anyone to ever be is going to be with their feet on the ground. Once your feet leave the ground, you could get carried away. Humility is a way to be grounded and yet still strive, be successful, connected, and be who you are and where you are. As C.S. Lewis said, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Humility is not about being low, it's about being modest and not thinking so much about your status, achievements, or importance. So you can continue to achieve, desire good things, and make big changes in the world. You just don't attach any more importance to it than what someone else is doing. If your goal is to own a giant corporation and your brother's is to be a farmer, with humility, you're both contributing to the world in ways that make you happy and serve the community. There's no judgment. It's freeing and validating. There's no one-upping. If you think about it, we're always in competition and one-upping. It shows up in conversations all the time. If I say that I'm really excited about a new couch that I just bought and you say that you're planning to get your whole living room done, you just went up to me. Or if I say, oh, I wish I could get a new couch. I've had nothing but hand-me-downs since I left my parents' house. You might have elevated your status by making me look small for daring to get a new couch when there are people in the world who can't afford one. Another example of this is the humble brag. If I tell you about going out and starting a GoFundMe so I could buy shoes for the homeless, I'm humble bragging. That's not true humility. I'm elevating myself through good works. So there's all kinds of status games that separate us from others. This is why I used to host so many talking circles. It's so people can get to know and understand each other. But it's also to teach us how to listen and practice humility and support. In mainstream society, most conversations are about figuring out how we're going to respond in a way that one-ups people. 
It's not about connection, getting to know each other or understanding. So I challenge you to listen. Hear what's being said while giving your mind a rest so that it's only taking in information, not preparing a response. People need to be heard. I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that if we were all just heard, loneliness would disappear overnight. We'd all have a sense of belonging instantaneously. You know, you don't have to have things in common to like someone. We have humanity in common. Connect with that. Give someone a smile or 10 seconds of your day because of that. Someone recently asked me if it was possible to have a meaningful conversation with a stranger. Absolutely. Yes. When I lived at the oceanfront, I used to go down there early in the morning to beat the heat and the crowds. I can't tell you how often I'd be sitting alone on a bench and someone would sit beside me and start talking. Within a few minutes, out will come a story that started, I've never told anybody this before, but... And then they tell me something very personal. People want to be heard. They want a safe place to connect. We can be that for each other if we listen. Striving to be a guru, influencer, or millionaire comes from the idea that we're not enough. It comes from the pressure to do more, be more, be on top, excel, look a certain way, and like the popular things that the media tells us are in. When you live in a community where humility is valued, all that goes away. And maybe this is why we don't embrace that. There's a lot of people who don't want to come off that pedestal. They like it up there. I get it. It can feel like coming down to earth means giving up your status, your privilege, your admiration. But it also means that you're grounded and relatable. You can still do all the things that got you there. So all that you're really giving up is the barriers to oneness. If you buy into that idea that someone has to do something to be worthy or good enough, you're really othering and separating yourself and other people into the in-group and the out-group. And you can just give that up now. Another thing happened this week that told me it was time to talk about humility. And twice I heard someone say, you'll get respect when you give respect. I think it's a line from a movie. Now, this is a way of putting someone in their place. It's saying, you're low. It's your fault that you're being treated that way. And I'm obliged to be ugly because of you. (laughs) And that is utter nonsense. That's a low status person pretending to be high. This is a gang member or mafioso who shoots someone for being disrespectful. It's like when Joffrey in Game of Thrones said, I am the king. And his grandfather replies, any man who must say I am the king is no true king. A person who knows his own value, so someone who's modest, doesn't have to go around announcing it or demanding it. They don't get their self-worth from others, so it makes no difference if others are disrespectful. If they're ugly, It's because they have ugliness inside. It has nothing to do with us. So the other person doesn't feel slighted. They don't feel anything at all. And there's no need to demand respect or satisfaction. And isn't that a far more peaceful way to be? So humility is not a weakness or a submission. It's a form of love and grace. It's really walking in your own sovereignty and allowing others theirs. What was the story of ancient Rome? When a general had a triumph after returning from a big victory, a slave would walk behind him, whispering in his ear, Memento mori, which means, remember you will die. So it's a way to remind him to be humble. Don't get too big for his britches and remember what's important, which is family, love, and little things like watching the sunrise. After all, 
None of us knows how many days we have left. Who cares if you're at the peak of your sports game, career, or whatever, if you're all alone at that peak? You know, life's meant to be shared. So even though we all live in a culture that teaches us not to be humble, we can buck the system and go rogue. I think that we're ripe for a soft rogue revolution and change the cultural paradigm to one that is more relational and honest. That's what Let It Go is all about. I know that this is a hard thing to overcome because it's so ingrained in our language and culture, but if you wanna feel connected to humanity, the plants, the animals, the stars, your ancestors, the past, the future, it's a challenge worth taking because you'll have a happier life. So I've never felt lonely in my life, and I used to think that my time would come, but so far it hasn't, and I believe it's because I don't do the things that separate me from my community, family, self, or anybody. I'm humble. I know my worth. I know my value and what I contribute, but it doesn't make me better or worse than anyone else, because we're in this life together, and I appreciate all the things that you bring into the table. There's no small thing, no small people. So if you have also never been lonely, I would love to get your take in the comments about how you think you've achieved that. And if you want some help with cultivating humility and learning how to stop othering and letting go of loneliness and learning how to connect, join me in my Let It Go Now community at www.letitgonow.org. That's what we do there. We shine the light on things so that you can see what's working and what's not. We learn skills to make things easier to let go. And we let stuff go. Easy peasy. Check it out now at letitgonow.org. And I'll see you all next week. Thanks for joining me. Ciao. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help the podcast thrive, please share it with others. Post about it on social media or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from Laura Giles, you can follow her on all her socials at Laura Giles 804. See you next time.